at the moment, shelves aren't empty. It's not like in Venezuela, like you can't find anything. No, shelves are full, but the price skyrocketed like around 300% in sometimes, and people can't afford stuff. That's the thing. So mostly Sri Lankans are very used to government subsidies. Sri Lankans are very used to government subsidies. So back in the 60s, Sri Lankans were given free rice, free grains, free milk powder, and all these essential items by the government for free. So people are very used to getting essential stuff for free. And of course, we don't get any stuff, any food now for free, of course. But we have subsidies for, there's control prices for almost all these essential items. Uh, the dollar was also controlled. So back till March, I think, the dollar was at around 190, 200 rupees. Can't uh, exactly tell you because it was changed multiple times. And then uh, economists and the opposition of Sri Lanka forced the Sri Lankan government to float the rupee. And it floated and now it has gone to 300 rupees for $1 and it's skyrocketing. It's going to be 350 it's going to be 400, it's going to be 500, and economists have predicted that it's going to hit 600. If it's going to hit 600, there will be no purchasing power for Sri Lankans because no one's salaries have increased with the inflation. And Sri Lankans are now at the moment, they are not starving yet, but they are about to starve. It's in the critical moment. Welcome to this RTD interview. Today, I'm excited to have first-time guest, Lahiru Daswala, and he's joining us from Sri Lanka today to share with us what's going on on the ground there, given the fact that the economy is going through a lot of economic and political chaos right now. So I'm excited to have him on such short notice. Well, Lahiru, please give us a little bit of your background and how you arrived at this point in your career. Um, I'm Lahiru Daswala. I work for um, an online uh, media called newscarter.lk. We um, we, also, we are also part of um, Capital um, News Network. And um, I've been in journalism for the past uh, two and a half years. And before that, I've been working at the Prime Minister's Office as well. My main focus is Sri Lankan politics and international affairs. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you for sharing that. So definitely looking forward to connecting. As I mentioned, I'm glad that we were able to connect on such short notice. But uh, I've been able to get a little bit of information out of what's happening in your country. And definitely, I think it's something the audience could, would definitely love to find out more about. So I'm glad you're able to connect with us. But uh, for those that may not be aware as to what's going on, share with us a little bit about what's happening in Sri Lanka right now, the good, the bad, the ugly, and, and how did you guys get to this point? So I'll, I'll update you on the latest development in the Sri Lankan economy. Today, the Sri Lankan Central Bank uh, declared that we are going on default. So that means that we won't be able to pay our loan payments in time. And uh, that's the first time in the 70 years of history that we have, that we have since we gained independence from the uh, British. And um, that's, that's very tragic. Everyone thinks it's a very sad day. And uh, we came to this not by, um, it, it didn't take around um, two, three years. It, it's actually 70 years of financial mismanagement by the Sri Lankan, uh, consecutive Sri Lankan governments. So um, Sri Lanka has a lot of debt payments to many countries in the world and many organizations such as the Asian Development Bank, World Bank and so on and so forth. And also countries like India, Japan, Bangladesh, and mainly China. 
so this happened um, the main frank the main uh, the, the main issue when it comes to paying uh, loans uh, came after when when Sri Lanka I, mean, I have to give you an introduction that Sri Lanka had a brutal civil war for over 30 years and it ended in 2009 and that was uh, that was stagnating the Sri Lankan economy and uh, during the final days of the war Sri Lanka borrowed a lot for uh, military equipment and other other developments as well because of course when when you are in the war economy you have to borrow a lot and it's very costly for a government so in 2009 the Sri Lankan government declared uh, victory of the separatists who were rebelling in the uh, north and eastern provinces of the in, on in the island and um, right after that, the Sri Lankans were getting more closer with China because most of these weapons and all of these stuff were provided by China on a low, on a what do you call it on a loan uh, loan basis, yeah. And right after the right after the victory of the separatists, Sri Lanka started a huge infrastructure development program. So we had new airports, new international ports. New highways, of course, before 2009, before the end of the civil war, Sri Lanka did not have a single highway. So Sri Lanka reached out to China and other countries as well, but mostly China, to build these massive infrastructure development programs on loans. And we made excessive borrowing from China as well as other countries to develop these areas. For example, the port, which was was enormous. The, the, the investment and the borrowing was enormous for the Hamadatta port, which is in the southern part of Sri Lanka, where the now ruling party and the leadership are from. So there, it's like their electoral district where they um, come. I mean, it's it's very underdeveloped. It looks like a desert, and there's not not a lot of people live there. But they made huge white elephants. We call them white elephants because I, I mean. No international ship comes there and birds or unloads or unloads in cargo, but it's actually very big. It's massive than Sri Lankan and the main Colombo port that we have in, in the Western province, which has been there for 200 years. And also, we have another international airport, airport which does not have any passengers or anyone coming. It, it, it's made like in Spain. They also made a huge uh, airport in Spain that no, no one else came and they had to close it down. Same issue came to Sri Lanka as well. So there's a massive airport. There's a massive stadium in the middle of nowhere. It's massive, massive stadium. And it's, in, it's, it's built in the middle of nowhere. And it's not accessible to people. Uh, but it was all borrowed. It was all made by borrowed money. And Sri Lanka also had a huge infrastructure development program for roads. And that was actually good with the economy. Because if you develop the roads or the transportation, uh, I mean, all these goods come to the capital very fast and it, it, has, it actually has a positive impact on the economy. But uh, there was a lot of corruption involved in making highways and making uh, ports and airports. And um, finally, in 2018, 2019, uh, Sri Lanka could not pay the loans that we, made, that we uh, borrowed to uh, build the port, the international port in Hamadota. And we had to, um, how do you say, lease it to China 
for 99 years, that is the person who signed the leasing agreement won't be alive when China gives it back to Sri Lanka. Wow. And now at the moment, it's, um, it's empty. It's a white elephant. And there are so many white elephants in this country, many infrastructure projects that are almost done, half-baked or not even started at all. And all of these were made on borrowings. And now Sri Lanka is facing the consequences. We have, uh, I'm going to give you a small um, information on the Sri Lankan population. We have 22 million Sri Lankans. Our population is 22 million. And our GDP used to be, used to be pre, I mean, pre-pandemic, it used to be 80 billion US dollars. And mostly our income came from uh, tea, rubber, cinnamon exports, gem exports, and mainly tourism. There's a lot of tourists coming to Sri Lanka to experience um, natural beauty, the beaches, the hillside as well. So um, back in 2021, during the worst times of um, COVID, uh, when it started, um, Sri Lanka had an inflation rate of around 6.9, something like that. But now, it surpassed 22% in Sri Lanka. It's, it's rising and it's uncontrollable. And um, also, when you go down, uh, Sri Lanka also started um, having um, international sovereign bonds. They started, I mean, the, the current uh, party that's in power, they started uh, switching from financial aid and, and financial, uh, from legit, I mean, the usual way of lending, they, they dropped the usual way of lending and started going towards uh, international sovereign bonds and other financial markets. And uh, now Sri Lanka is unable to pay those loans now due to, um, there are two reasons in Sri Lanka. Uh, in 2019, the uh, Islamic State, um, they bombed, uh, it's called the Easter attacks. They bombed churches and uh, luxury hotels in 2019, and that heavily impacted the tourism in Sri Lanka because uh, most of our tourists come from Western nations and all these governments. They issued a travel warning that, um, of course, tourists were targeted by these radical Islamic um, terrorists, and that hit the Sri Lankan economy. And uh, once we just started recovering in 2020, COVID hit, and it decimated our economy, which was highly relying on uh, tourism. Right. And the country had to go on lockdowns and we had to import a lot of, um, lot of essential items from abroad because the Sri Lankan economy has been, has been an open economy since uh, 1977. So before 1977, uh, from 1946 to um, 1977, Sri Lanka mostly had a very closed market kind of like uh, very socialist. In 1972, Sri Lanka went towards full socialism. We had a very enclosed market where you had to buy only locally produced goods and you could not import even the basic necessary items from abroad. But in 1977, the ruling party came to power and they had a huge mandate because people were suffering from these, from socialism, of course, being in lines and all of that. They opened up the economy straight away and um, it started foreign investments as well, but the the, the dollar rate. So back in nineteen before nineteen seventy seven, uh, the Sri Lankan rupee, uh, say compared to the dollar, you had to spend around seven rupees. I mean seven rupees equaled one dollar, right? 
seven or seven or seventy. I'm sorry. Seven rupees. Okay, seven. Equaled seven before 1977. Seven rupees equaled a dollar, and Sri Lanka was one of the, let's say, wealthiest nations in South Asia. We even lended to China and Japan, so we had a very strong. The British left us a very very strong economy because Sri Lanka was placed in a very strategic position in the Indian Ocean. And we had a lot of trade. All this infrastructure was developed by the British to uh, for their colonial efforts, of course. But they left us with a very good economy. For example, for India, they left it in ruins. But for Sri Lanka, we were like, for example, the leader of Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew, he said he's going to make Singapore into a Ceylon or Sri Lanka. But that was back then. Yeah. But then, after the civil war started, the Sri Lankan economy started a decline, and it has never risen since. Okay. Now that, that's uh, man, that's a, a, a wealth of knowledge there. So you gave us the whole history piece up to this point. And so some of the takeaways I got from that was, you know, indebtedness, malinvestment, corruption, and has created all the infrastructure that was probably funneled through the, the pockets of those in the political elite class. And here we are today. And so the video circulating is that uh, people are in the streets protesting. And this complete pandemonium in the streets, is that really the case or, or what? Are people, I'm assuming people are very angry, but are they in the streets the way that the media is painting it as far as not able to get food, insulin, you know, give us the, give yeah. us the rundown. So um, usually when it comes to uh, protests and all of that, in Sri Lanka, the normal norm was that political parties were organizing protests for the past at least for the past 70 years, it was always led by political parties, but not right now. When you're, I've been there to the protest, I've interviewed protesters, and I've seen the sentiment. People of my age, people who have born after 1990, millennials and all these people, they have come to the streets. It's like, it's like Woodstock, actually. Um, they have occupied the presidential secretariat. That is um, the president's office. And uh, this, the ground that's in front of it, they have occupied, they have made tents and they're living there as a mini colony. And there are over, over 10,000 people living there. And people are coming, I mean, youth are coming across, from, across the, from across the island towards this place to protest. And there are mini protests having everywhere, even in front of houses, in neighborhoods, people are coming. People have come in front of their houses and started protesting against the government. Why is that? I will tell you why. Um, it is because the Sri Lankans are now having 12 to 13 hour power cuts. And, and, and now it's, it's actually getting worse because we do not have the money to import fuel. 70% of Sri Lanka's power grid is run by thermal power. And for thermal power, you need um, uh, furnace oil and diesel to be imported because Sri Lanka does not produce any oil. And to import oil and furnace oil and all of that, you need for foreign exchange. And Sri Lanka is now almost bankrupt. We do not have, we had around $500 million that was last week in Forex. And $500 million for a country is uh, pennies. And that is enough for, I don't even know how much that is enough. But uh, we, we went on like... For the past two months, we've been running on loans. India lended us $1 billion worth of essential items. Mostly, we spent that on um, importing fuel and important medication. 
and we are running dry on that as well. 80% of that has been uh, consumed and uh, the power cuts are getting worse and people can't stay at home. They can't go to work because they don't have any petrol. They don't have any gas to pump their vehicles. They don't work. They can't work from home because they, they don't have electricity. And it's a dilemma and everyone's affected pro-government, anti-government, religious, ethnicities, everyone's affected. And everyone's come to the street to protest against the government for being indecisive. They, they are not making decisions. The whole Sri Lankan cabinet resigned two weeks ago and there has not been a new cabinet appointed. It's just the president and the prime minister and IMF as for my uh, knowledge and people, sources inside the Central Bank of Sri Lanka, I have known that IMF is reluctant to engage with Sri Lanka since Sri Lanka has no leadership and Sri Lanka is going through a political crisis and it is very risky to engage with a country that has political instability. Right. Now, let's talk a little bit about the, because uh, you said a central bank is basically defaulted in a sense as of today, not able to make their uh, uh, payments to their creditors, which happen to be China and as well as other countries. So let's talk about the, the Sri Lankan rupee right now. So I'm assuming if that is the case, then the purchasing power of the rupee is basically non-existent. And are, are there actual items on shelves for people to be able to go purchase? And can people actually sustain themselves in the short term, you think? Or is that also a problem? Which is why people have come to the streets because they are having the effects of this economic crisis and they are feeling that they are not being led properly and they are feeling that the finances of the country has not been managed properly. So the government tried to address this issue by resigning by uh, resigning the entire cabinet. So most of Sri Lankans have blamed the entire issue on the finance minister of Sri Lanka, who is the brother of the president and the prime minister, of course. So it's only, it's like around three or four brothers and a family who's uh, running the whole country. Really? And the finance minister is um, tragically a U.S. citizen. And Sri Lankans are, yes, of course, he's a U.S. citizen. And we call him the, uh, I don't call him, uh, the Sri Lankans call him the ugly American because um, he has dual citizenship and all of his families and all his wealth is in the United States. He has mansion and all of that. And he is finance. People are blaming that he's mismanaging Sri Lanka's economy because he has no interest in Sri Lanka. Right. Say that, for example, if you're in the United States and your treasury secretary, whoever governs your money is from Russia or UK, does he have any interest in safeguarding your economy? We would, uh, it, it would be the same logic. So right. it was a, it was very hard. All these protesters came to the streets and the government had finally felt the pressure and asked him to resign. But now Sri Lankans know that they are being, not being led properly and they're asking the entire government, including the president, to resign and hand over power to the parliament or capable leaders who can engage with the international community to get us out of this um, debt trap as well as the economy crisis. Right. Now, one of the things that comes to mind is that, you know, you're describing how dire the situations are throughout the island. So you guys are south of India. And so I'm curious, you know, India is very, is, is known to have a very rich history in utilizing gold, as a way of protecting and preserving their purchasing power. And so do, do, do the Sri Lankan people also have the same mindset to where they 
They realize the currency is worthless. And so they actually hold real assets such as gold and silver. Or are those type of options available for preserving your wealth? Mm, not exactly. We can't be compared with India because the, um, of course, India and Sri Lanka share similar cultural and religious as well as, uh, well as um, historical heritage, but we have been separate from India for the past 2,500 years. It's like the Americans and the British. You would not like to be compared with British, saying we are not part of British, but we, we share similar culture, heritage, language, and religion with them, but we are a separate entity. And we have been like that for the past 2,500 years, as well as when it comes to gold, Sri Lankans, Sri Lankans do not have much gold in there households like for example i remember studying a long time ago that indians indian housewives own the most number like after i think i think u.s gold reserve or something they own the most uh, amount of gold in the entire world because they have a lot of jewelry in india but sri lankans do not have that mindset we do not have much gold with us in uh, in our households we don't use it much but um, there was a real estate boom in Sri Lanka because of that um, development of harbors and all of that. But all of that has been uh, that has been a bubble and it has collapsed as well. So Sri Lankans have no security measure to go mm. to combat the economic crisis. We don't have a backup. This is it, which is right. why it's very devastating. Right now, you say the the real estate side. So I'm assuming people who can afford to buy housing to protect their wealth. Now, I assume the housing prices has also collapsed as the economy tanks or what's that? What's what, so, so for the pe- for the people there who are looking for options, what are some of the things they've used? You say, I think real estate, but that's not it's no longer holding its value or give us. Well, the re- well, as to my knowledge, the real estate market has been a bubble and a lot of people have been investing on apartments that have not even been built yet. And um, Soon after the economic crisis hit, and a lot of Sri Lankans who had wealth tried to migrate from the country by selling their assets. And because of that, a lot of these real estate markets, I mean, a lot of these housing schemes and very luxury villas, they went down in prices, actually. It's, it's, it's useless to hold assets in Sri Lanka right now because uh, all of these uh, prices of assets are going down because... Uh, People would like to sell it for pennies and just leave the country. Who can? There's also a brain drain happening in the country because uh, there's a lot of software engineers. Of course, Sri Lankans and Indians, all these people are very good at the IT sector. And um, all of these people, since they do not have any, like colleagues of mine, they do not have any power at their house to work in the IT sector. Of course, you need power and need stable internet to work with the international community when it comes to working with IT. But all of these people, all of these um, very uh, professional people who are overqualified, they are fleeing the country uh, to the United States, Canada, Australia, New Zealand for welcoming them with open arms. But the brain drain is costing the country a lot. All these professionals who are managing the economy, who are managing the infrastructure, all these uh, highly educated people are leaving. And the brain drain is also severely affecting the Sri Lankan economy as well. Now, it looks like, you know, so my assumption would be, let me know if you feel comfortable speaking about it, but you being in the journalism realm, you mentioned that, you know, you're, you're employed through some some uh, some entities that are probably not based in Sri Lanka, which means you're able to get compensated in other currencies, which I'm assuming helps you preserve your personal power. So how is the banking sector there? Are people actually still utilizing the banking system, given the fact the central bank is defaulting ultimately in the banking sector, I'm sure is unstable as well, or 
or how, how does how is the dollar perceived there right now? And, and if you don't mind sharing so far, your, your experience. Yeah, so, so far, not like in the 2008 um, economic crisis. I think it's 2008 economic crisis in the US, right? Mm-hmm. When people yeah. flock to ATMs to uh, cash out their money. It's not, we have not grown to that level yet. But um, Sri Lankans do not have the confidence in the bank system now because they, they do, they, it's like this. Say that you're a Sri Lankan citizen and you need to import something, you need to buy something for Alibaba or something, Amazon or something. You need to bring it down. You can't bring it down because the, of course, you have the money to bring it down in rupees, but the bank won't allow you to buy it because the government, the central bank won't release dollars for you to buy, for you to import that um, item that you needed. So not only that, Sri Lankans watch Netflix and Sri Lankans watch HBO, Sri Lankans, um, import a lot of stuff from online as well. There's a lot of imports. Uh, forget about the imports of uh, unnecessary stuff like Netflix. Sri Lankans import milk powder. Sri Lankans import flour. Sri Lankans import all of these vegetables. Even rice. Even Sri Lanka. Even though Sri Lanka's rice producing country, we import rice as well. And that's a, that's a different situation for that because the, the government seriously messed up their ag- agriculture. And that's a different topic. But Sri Lankans import all of these stuff from abroad and we are in short of Forex. And that's why all this is happening in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, uh, Lahiru, I appreciate you joining us. So definitely there's a lot more to touch on. As I mentioned, this might just be part one because I definitely have more questions. But I uh, just wanted to just basically open up the community to you and basically get a chance to hear directly from someone there now and uh, definitely staying up to date with what's going on there. So if you don't mind, uh, share with us where people can stay plugged in and, and find out about your writing and whatnot as you report on issues as they unfold. And I'll definitely put that beneath this video here. But let us know how the people can stay in tune with you. So you can um, follow me on Facebook at um, Lahiru in Real Life and on Twitter, Official Lahiru. All right. Sounds good. Well, Larry, I appreciate you. And uh, definitely, definitely we're looking forward to connecting again soon and having an update as to what's going on there. Because I think it's good for people outside of that region to understand that, you know, there's other people just like us that are going through real world issues and we're not being told about it on this side. So as always, thank you for joining us and definitely looking forward to staying in touch with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me.